0: Thank you worship team isn't it good to be in the lord's house today? all right glad to be with you all glad to have those who are worshiping with us online as well I tell you it is so good week to week to be able to come together and have the, the truth that is uh, either proclaimed through song or through uh, through God's word as we open it up together to to be there to, to, to help recalibrate our thinking just Think of all that's happened even in the last week. What's happening in the world around us, how things change, how plans that have been made get, get, get changed even again. Uh, there's just things happening. We had all these storms last night and a lot of rainfall. And I heard that, uh, that over on the East Coast, there was a pretty sizable earthquake that happened. And I mean, we just live in uncertain times, right? But to be able to come back and refocus our thinking upon who the Lord is, what He has done where we can, can anchor our lives to truth. What a blessing, blessing for us to be able to do that today. And so uh, this morning, we're going to continue uh, in Romans chapter 12, and we're going to pick back up and think about one aspect of Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, that, that, uh, that speak to the renewing of our minds, and uh, just as we have gathered together in worship, and we've had our minds focused, and that's given us perspective, it's given us hope, it's given us joy, we are going to see today just how important it is that our minds are engaged in truth, and that our minds are renewed by the grace of God. We know that, that uh, the way one thinks is directly connected to the way in which one lives, Throughout the message, we're going to see the interconnectedness between the, the, way, one, the way we think, to the, to the decisions that we make, to even the way that we worship and what takes first place in our lives. It all comes back to the mind. And so we know that actions flow out of ideas. Now, not all ideas are good ideas, Right? I mean, we can look back in our own lives and think, okay, yeah, we see there's some, some times that, that wasn't such a good idea. Let me give you a couple of examples. Here's a guy that needs to do a little work on his truck, and there's got to be a better way, right? There's got to be a better way to get up under your truck to do your work. This is one of those don't try this at home uh, ideas. Here's a guy that needed to fix his air conditioner, and he's on the third floor, and uh, they, they weren't able to get out to the air conditioner, so they just spread a ladder out there, right? At least they have the big guy, you know, on the inside, I guess, right? I don't know, maybe that's the, the best idea there, but uh, anyway, um, one more. They couldn't find the, uh, the uh, extension ladder, so they, they, they just decided to use the step ladder, right? And uh, I have so many thoughts about this one. It's like, you know, this guy holding on over the rail, is that really, really going to help if uh, anything starts to move? But uh, one thing I would say about these pictures, did you notice that they were all men? And you know the statistics, right? Why, you know, why, why do women live longer than men? Well, I just gave you, I just gave you three examples, right? And we, we, could go, we could go on about that. But what's my point? My point is this. The way one thinks impacts the decisions a person makes, good or bad. And so with that in mind, let's look at Romans 12. And today, consider with me what it looks like to have a renewed mind. A mind that pursues Christ, a mind that that gives us the ability to discern truth from error, a mind that that, that leads us into wise decisions, good thinking that leads to to life and living that, that honors Christ. Romans 12, beginning in verse 1. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you, To present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. We said last week in Romans 12, and I won't set the context as I did last Last time won't we'll take all that time. If uh, you weren't with us last week, I would encourage you to pull that message up online. But we see in chapter 12 that we get to the idea that, that Paul is considering deeply the mercy of God. And he is, he is responding to the mercy and grace of God. And he speaks about being a living sacrifice. He speaks of of what it's like to be transformed. Remember the the idea of metamorphosis, to be changed from the inside out. And that part of this change impacts the way we think. And I would say that oftentimes in in Christian life, when we think about maturity and, and growing in Christ, when we think about sanctification, sometimes we jump right into action. But according to this passage... In other passages we will see today, really it all begins before the action. It begins in the mind, and we're going to see that throughout our time today. Let's see. The first point this morning is the mind has tremendous influence, tremendous influence. Your thought life and my thought life impacts my everyday attitudes and actions. So we ask the question, will we have the ability to determine truth from error? Well, it goes back to the way we think. Will we have the ability to overcome temptation when it comes? Well, it begs the question, what have we been dwelling our minds upon? The battles of life are oftentimes won and lost in the mind. Morals, values, attitudes, perspectives, and discernment. All of these, all of these are shaped in the mind, which is why it is so important that we allow our Christian faith to properly influence the way we think. We don't separate the two. One impacts the other. Anselm of Canterbury was a leading Christian theologian in the 11th century, and he is known for making this statement about, about the, the mind. He said, the Christian task is well-defined as faith seeking understanding. That yes, we, we have faith, and yet God has given us a mind to explore that faith, to dig deep, to understand, to understand even the world around us, to, to be inquisitive, to research, to, to consider, to think but to do so also not separating our faith, but to see how the faith element is part of that. Yet sometimes Christians are not known for being thinkers. In fact, there was a well-known atheist, the late Bertrand Russell, who said most Christians would rather die than think. In fact, most of them do. And that he meant to be was an indictment against the church. And I I would respond to that by saying maybe in some cases that is true. Maybe there is a hesitancy among some Christians to think. But that's not true across the board. Some of the best and brightest minds that we have in this world are people of faith. Who are who are looking at the the world around us, looking at things like ethics and and uh, and and philosophies and ideologies which permeate our society, and they are giving an answer, a biblically informed answer to the times. And yet, that's not just meant to be for a handful. All of us, as we are as we will see, are called to use our minds for the glory of God. And if we want our lives to be A life that gives glory to God, it cannot be separated from the way that we think and what we allow to process within our minds. It's so important that we not disengage our minds. Let me say it this way. The mind actually makes the greatest commandment. When Christ is asked, what is the greatest commandment? Do you remember that the mind is part of this? Let me read it to you. Mark chapter 12, verse 30. Jesus replied to that question by saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. So the Lord Jesus, as creator, understood the importance of the mind, of thinking, and how that would shape the kind of walk that one would have with the Lord in order to love him, to honor him, to set him apart as our top commitment, includes not just emotion, not just heart, but also how we think. As we think about our high school graduates today, and we had some in our, in our early service. I know we have some here in this service, as well as some who I'm sure are watching online. I can't help but think about how important this idea of, of thinking is to those who are about to go to the next season of life. Next chapter begins, many of them going into uh, further their education and to, to be able to, to, uh, to not separate one's faith from the academic career is so important. To be able to, yes, research, to write, to, to think and learn about things that are, that are broad and wide. There's nothing wrong with that, but to be able to do so with a discerning mind. And with a conviction to know that the way in which I think, how I feed my brain is feeding my life and will someday work its way out in my actions. There's just no way to separate it. It's all connected as we will see throughout our time. So my prayer, and I encourage our church family to be praying for these graduates as they transition to a a new season of life, to do so fully aware, yes, of the opportunities around them, but to also do so aware of the pitfalls that may come if not allowing the the truth of God's Word to continually saturate their minds and allow that to impact the way they research, the way they study, the way they write, the way they consider the the, the world that's around us. I, I say to them and I say to us all, may God's Word be the compass which guides us. May it be the standard to help us discern truth from error. God indeed gave us a mind to use. May you use it for His glory. Just remember, again, that one's thinking directly impacts what one will become in life. Proverbs chapter 23, the book of wisdom says in verse 7, for as he thinks within himself, so he is. So again, we see another example of connecting one's one's life, one's identity to the way in which one thinks. Another person said it this way, you are not what you think you are, but what you think you are. Did you get that? You are not what you think you are, but what you think you are. Again, the way in which a person thinks helps them to interpret the world around them. You may recall a few weeks ago, it's probably been closer to a month now, we uh uh, had a, a a three-week series that was addressing some of the the issues causing unrest in the world around us. Some some very prominent ideologies, some ways of thinking that were being promoted, and we we considered what a biblical worldview would look like as a response. As a way of being able to compare and contrast, are the these ideals that are being promoted and, and held in high esteem, are they or are they not in line with the Word of God? We looked particularly at, at some institutions. We took, we, we took a look at some designs that, that God has done, the design of the, the human race and how that is to work. We looked at the design of marriage. We looked at even the, the design of, of those who are God's servants, who, who protect and care for community in light of what we are seeing. And, and we said that, that what we as believers need is a biblically informed worldview. Remember that phrase, worldview, the idea of, of what, we, what we see, how we interpret? I, I gave you a definition then, but I've come across another one written by a, uh, a theologian, Baptist uh, theologian, seminary president. This is a little more extensive of a definition, but I think it drives home the point how important it is for us to consider what it is that we're thinking about. Al Mohler says, Every individual operates out of a basic set of convictions about reality, truth, meaning, and how the world works. As thinking creatures, we create, perceive, absorb, and base our thinking upon certain intellectual assumptions that in essence allow the world to make sense. To us. He goes on to say the great challenge for the Christian is to craft a worldview that is distinctively Christian in its shape, substance, and structure. This is no easy task, especially in an intellectually complex world that is marked by an incredible diversity of worldviews and ideologies. Boy, doesn't he have that right so diverse today. Finally, he writes, Christian faithfulness requires the development of the believer's intellectual capacities in order that we may understand the Christian faith, develop habits of Christian thought, and live in faithfulness to all that Christ teaches. End quote. Now, that's the responsibility for each of us. And while we we, we make application today for our high school graduates. We see that it's, a, it's really a lifelong call for us, yes, to, to at times guard our minds, to protect our minds, but at other times to feed our minds and to fill our minds with, with the right things, to be able to have a discerning mind. On occasion, I'll ask my children, and uh, I don't always get the answer, but I, I at least pose the question, where do you see yourself? in the next three years? Where do you see yourself in the next five years? If you're, if you're 20 today, where do you want to be at age 25, right? And, and oftentimes, we would fill in the blank by, by putting together different, different activities or experiences. But I want to I wanna say to you that before all of that happens, it begins somewhere else, and it begins in the mind, and if there's things that we, that we don't want to be a part of and there's a direction that we don't want to go, well, we certainly don't want to fill our minds with that thinking. But on the flip side, if there are directions that we see ourselves and we see, see uh, places and we see, uh, we see milestones and we see experiences that we want to be a part of and that we want to shape us, yet us, once again, be reminded where it begins. It begins with our thinking. It begins what we have dwelling within us. We have information coming from all sides, and I know that for those of us that are a little older, we may, may simply think of, of the information coming from things like the entertainment industry. For, for so many years, that was the driving force, and, and in many ways is still uh, a very influential force uh, within the way people think within our culture. But there's another source that, is, that has really come to prominence within the last decade, 10, 15 years, and that is, of course, social media. There is a constant flow of information. And so today, it's it's almost unceasing. And so that's where the idea that we'll look at in a minute, to take every thought captive is so important because all of these ideologies, all of this information is continually coming upon us. Well, the mind is indeed something that has tremendous influence. But we will see, secondly, that the mind was affected by the fall. And when I say fall, I'm, I'm speaking of, of the fall into sin, that, 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 that event that took place and is noted for us back in the book of Genesis, where within the, the lives of Adam and Eve, they succumbed to temptation, they committed sin, and from there, the curse of sin came upon them and upon this world. We speak of the depravity of sin and the the corruption is another word to to describe that. And that is is part of what was affected was the mind, the way people think. In fact, we go through the book of Genesis and we see not only Adam and Eve, but we also see Cain and Abel. And we we see it continue to unfold to, to the point where we're only in the sixth chapter of Genesis and we see God making a statement about the human mind. Watch this. Listen to this. Genesis 6, verse 5. When the Lord saw that human wickedness was widespread on the earth, and that every inclination of the human mind was nothing but evil all the time. Folks, there is a description, a picture of depravity the depravity, the corruption of the mind. And I want you to look at that verse carefully and see the connection. Because he's not just making a statement about behavior. Do you notice that? He clearly is. He's using the word wickedness, right? So, I mean, he's clearly speaking of behavior, but it's connected to what? Do you see it there? The human mind. The human mind. Now, the good news is, as we saw last week in Romans 12... The human mind can be transformed. It's included in, in, in this gospel promise of, of all things being made new. We sang about that earlier, that the, when we come to Christ, He makes things new. He restores. He redeems. And that includes what He does in our minds, so that we will not be conformed to this age. Verse 2, but transformed. That word metamorphosis, again, changed from the inside out by the renewing of your mind. Now, when you look at verse 2 and you see this idea of being conformed to this age, he's really speaking of being conformed to the thinking of this age as well as conformed to the, to the behavior, the morals, the values, the pursuits of this age. And when, when he's saying to not let that happen... What he's he's really communicating is, is that there is a widespread corruption of the thinking of an age, and that if one is not careful, they will be conformed to it. One commentator said it this way, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. And I would again offer this to our graduates, don't let that world around you. Don't let that campus you go to. Don't let the people there squeeze you into their mold. Instead, be salt and light. On the campus, in the organizations, on the teams, wherever it is you may may be, let that light shine. Let it be there to show that there there is a truth that you are holding to that is guiding your thinking as well as your actions. From the context here regarding the corrupted thinking of an age, we know that it was described to an even greater detail in Romans chapter 1. If you want to flip back there, you will see that Paul really lays the groundwork for what this corrupted thinking looks like. And as we look at Romans chapter 1, uh, we're going to read verses 21 to 25. And I want to ask you, as we read these verses, to look for three things, okay? Okay. I want you to look for words that speak about thinking, about the mind. I also want you to look for words that speak about choices or behavior, the way one lives. And the other one that I want you to look for is I want you to look for words that describe worship. Because I think you're going to see that verses 21 through 25 are bookended with worship. And what I'm trying to to, to draw out of this passage is the way one thinks leads to the way one acts and also the way in which one worships. They're all connected in there. And you might even be able to reverse that around, that the way in which one worships impacts the way in which one thinks. So we see here the beauty of God's Word for us, verses 21 through 25. For though they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became, what does it say? Worthless. And their senseless hearts were darkened. There's a description, the corruption or the depravity of the mind. Verse 22, claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, four-footed animals, and reptiles. Therefore, God delivered them over in the desires of their hearts to sexual impurity, so that their bodies were degraded among themselves. They exchanged, second time that word's used, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And worshiped and served what has been created instead of the Creator, who is praised forevermore. Amen. So let me ask you, church, did you see the connection there? See the connection between thinking and living and worshiping? It's all put there together. And what was described as the corruption was to exchange what is true for something that is a lie. And that didn't just happen in the days of Romans chapter 1. Folks, that is something that's been happening since the Garden of Eden all the way till today, that there is a continual exchange taking place, and that if we aren't discerning, if we aren't careful, we will make that exchange. And that's why I felt compelled to together with the church, look at some of the things and some of the thinking happening in the world around us and say, let's look at it in light of God's truth. Let that be the standard. Now, we see here that uh, corrupted thinking leads to corrupted behavior and corrupted worship. Let's now look at Ephesians 4. Paul is writing to a church, a church in Ephesus and he is writing to the church and telling them, "You are living like the world. Your conduct is indistinguishable from that of the world." He references them as Gentiles in the passage, but we understand the context what he's meaning. He's making the the contrast of this: these are people that are that are in the in the in that have, that are in Christ, and these who are not. And he's saying there's a problem happening because. Because you're not looking you're not looking different. And I want us to notice, as he, as, he, as, he, as he issues this call for them to, to, to walk differently, for their lives to be distinct, I want you to notice in verses 17 and 18, how many times the mind is referenced. Look at verse 17. Therefore. I say this and testify in the Lord you should no longer walk as the Gentiles do. You see, he's calling them to leave behind the old ways, the old life. You should no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thoughts, they are darkened in their understanding excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their hearts. Now, again, we look at this and say, none of us want to have hard hearts. We don't want to have cold hearts towards God. We don't want to to resist the Spirit at work in our lives. And yet we see a connection here between hard hearts and darkened understanding because of the thought life let's continue reading Look at verse 19 they became callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with the desire for more and more but that is not how you came to know Christ assuming you heard about him and were taught by him as the truth that is in Jesus to take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. So we look at these last two verses here, and we see what we've seen from the book of Genesis, that the mind was affected, it was corrupted by the fall. And the good news, again, is that that in Christ, the mind can be restored. It can be renewed. It can be made new again. And that's what he is saying to do here at the end of verse 23. Very familiar language to what we read in Romans 12. So, again, we see from several passages that there is a contrast between the corrupted mind and the renewed mind. So, the good news comes and thinking that it can be renewed. And that's our third and final point. The mind can be renewed. The mind can be renewed by Christ. And when one comes to faith in Christ, we receive, obviously, the, the forgiveness of sins. We've sung about that today. We, 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 we consider the mercy and grace of God. We know that that's, as we come to Him, we're forgiven. But this work that He's doing within us is, is reshaping even our thinking and the way in which we think and the content upon which we dwell. Again, the gospel is the key. In Romans 12, 2, not to be conformed to this age, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And this idea of being transformed isn't something that just happens at one point and then never happens again. It's continual, isn't it? In, in, In life, we are having our minds continually transformed, continually renewed. We are transformed on the outside. But what happens in our minds is on the inside. Notice that this does not begin as a change of behavior, but it begins as a change of thinking. And I've already underscored this, but oftentimes I think in our Christian journey, we're looking straight to the actions and the behavior, and we're missing something that's very key. And that is what we're thinking about, what we're filling our minds with. Again, renewal is a gospel word, and so there's there's hope here for us. There's hope that He he changes our affections just as He changes our our emotional capacity, what it is that that excites us or disappoints us. He gives us, we're told, the mind of Christ. How does this happen? Titus chapter 3. In fact, I'm going to give you four other passages before we close, each of them that I think are very practical in understanding how do we see our minds renewed. Titus 3.5, He saved us. Not by works of righteousness that we had done. No, it wasn't. it wasn't what we earned or deserved. But according to His mercy, through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. So this renewal that we've been thinking about that impacts the mind, we're told is done by the work of the Spirit within us. So what we can see, church family, is that the Spirit will do His work. He will do His part in in, in sanctifying us. The question is, are we responding? Are we cooperating with that work? Or are we resisting it? The process is further described in 2 Corinthians 10. For although we live in the flesh, verse 3, we do not wage war according to the flesh. Since the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh but are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds. What kind of strongholds? We demolish arguments and every proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ. Folks, this is our responsibility. Yes, the Spirit is going to do His work, isn't He? Yes, He is. Amen. I hear that behind those masks. The question is, what are we going to do? Are we going to take this so seriously that we say, every thought captive. Every thought captive. Everything that's being promoted, everything that I'm hearing, whether I'm in the classroom or whether I'm I'm on social media or whether I'm I'm catching something that's coming out of the entertainment industry, all of this stuff is involving thinking. And if I'm not careful, if my guard's down, I'm going to let it shape me into something That I don't want to become. Many of us, we we get to that point and realize, how how did I get here? How did I get this far away? How did I end up in this place, in this spot? How did I make that decision? Well, it all begins in the mind. And so, because God loves us so much, He's given us warnings like this. He's given us admonition to take every thought captive And that as parents and grandparents, to to really help, to help undergird our children and grandchildren. To not be careless about what comes into the mind. Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. You probably knew I was going to use this one, didn't you? I think it's one of the greatest ones. To help us capture and to identify thought by thought. Philippians 4, 8, finally, brothers and sisters, written to believers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence, and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. When he uses the word dwell, he's meaning think. Think on these things. This is is a good way for us to use our minds, engage our minds, allowing Scripture to be somewhat of a filter in determining what is it that we're going to dwell on. Because there's a lot of things out there that we can dwell on that are going to lead us astray. If we dwell on it, we can't be surprised when actions follow what it is we're dwelling upon. One final passage, 1 Peter 1. It says in verse 13, therefore, with your minds ready for action. If you're reading the King James, I think it says something like, gird up your loins. (laughs) I mean, it's just like, get ready. This this, this is important. Get your minds ready for action. Be sober-minded and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, let me ask you this. Church, does the way we think... Impact the way we behave, the way we live? Well, let's keep reading. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. But as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. Again, over and over and over again, we see these connections. So that's why, that's why I believe on this day, As we honor our graduates, we we encourage them, we admonish them to to, to guard their minds. Yes, use your minds, engage your minds, think and and research and write and, and allow all of that to happen and do so in a way that glorifies God and that builds you and your life and your future for the purpose that God has for each of you. As we think about personal responsibility, I want to put a picture in your mind. I I call this the principle of you reap what you sow. I certainly didn't come up with it, and I don't know who to give credit to, but someone took this idea and said it this way. Sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character reap a destiny. And so on this day, for many who are going into new seasons, new chapters of life, they're thinking about the destiny, the destination. They're thinking about what's next. And I want to applaud that kind of thinking and come alongside and just remind you as if I'm whispering in your ear, take every thought captive. If you want that habit, if you want that character, If you want that ultimate destination, it begins day by day, moment by moment, and thought by thought. The choice is up to you. In church family, the church watching online, the choice is up to you as well. What will your mind dwell upon? This week, what will your mind dwell upon? Make that commitment. Make that decision. E. Stanley Jones said this, if you don't make up your mind, your unmade mind will unmake you. I think he's right. I want to tell you, sometimes on graduate recognition day, I bring a textbook in that I had that sits on my bookshelf. and I bring it in and I over the years, sometimes I brought in two or three, and I, I read passages out of a textbook. I know that sounds very exciting, doesn't it? But I say, in light of God's Word, it would, would this be something that as a believer I would accept as truth or error? And uh, sometimes we have fun doing that. It just, just kind of just reminds us to kind of be in the practice of, of yes, reading and, and learning, but also not being fooled or tricked. And, and I bring in a particular textbook that was given to me at my Baptist seminary, and I begin reading from it. And how the author of this text did not believe that God created the heavens and the earth. Very beginning of the Bible. He was very much a, 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 an evolutionary thinker. And I, and I bring that in and I, 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 I read that. And say if, if, if a textbook that was given to me 25 years ago in a Baptist seminary. By, by the way at that time with a professor who believed the words of the author had a whole problem with Genesis 1 through 11 in, in his mind. I know I know. for some of you are going, what? And, and it's changed. Baptist seminaries are much more biblically based now than they were then. But I use that as an example to say, you know, I, I could have pulled him in from my state university too, right? No surprise. There's going to be thinking of the world because people that don't have the redeemed and renewed minds are going to think like the world, right? That's, that's not a surprise. But even in the seminary. Even in the church, for some of our young people, when they go off to college, they are also going off to a new church to be discerning, even in what you hear from from the pulpit. Does it line up with the Word of God? Is that the standard? Is that the truth? Because that's what I want my mind to be filled with so that I can discern truth from error and be ready to live a life It takes me to the destination that God has in mind. So is it important, church family, for us? You bet it is. And I pray that even now, God would would possibly reveal some some areas within my life, within your life, that that, that need to be more closely watched. Maybe some some input that is missing, that needs to be there, so that we can think and live and worship in a way that's pleasing to Him would you bow with me as we pray and ask God to apply his word today. Dear Lord, we thank you that your word is truth. We thank you that we are sanctified by the truth. And we thank you that your holy spirit is doing its work to renew our minds. So Father, as a church, we pray that that even when the tides of thinking around us are contrary to the word of God, that you would give us courage that you would give us boldness, that you would give us a desire to stand on the truth, even if it's unpopular, to stand on the truth, even, even when it's in an age upon which it would be scorned or ridiculed. We pray, Lord, for brothers and sisters all across this world, many who are in much more difficult situations than we are, who are standing and living and, yes, even dying for your truth. God, we pray for our thought life today. We pray against the the prevailing thinking out there that may seek to tempt us or to deceive us. And God, instead, may we be renewed day by day the washing that comes by your word and by your spirit. And Father, we pray specifically for our graduates today. We thank you for them. They are a precious part of our church family. And we ask lord for your blessing upon them as they go to the next season of life some who will be here locally some who will be in other parts of the of the of the country and god we pray lord for for you to go with them and bless their endeavors lord keep them close to you and may they may they seek to stay close to you god we pray for their for their minds that you will that you will use those minds in a way to further your work in their lives, to lead them down the paths of righteousness and to glorify you as they are a light in this world. Father, apply your word today. Apply it to each of us. As with grateful hearts, we thank you for the work that you have done. And we pray that we can have a renewed and steadfast commitment as we follow after you this day. For we pray this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen.